Another episode of the Feminist Mormon Housewives Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, bringing you another episode in the year of polygamy. And we are about done with the Wives of Joseph Smith, and I'm excited to move into a more expanded version of this series. But for now, let's finish it up. Um, We have a few more episodes to go, and then we are done with the Wives of Joseph Smith. Let's talk about Nancy Winchester. Nancy was born on August 10th, 1828. In Pennsylvania. She was four when her parents met missionaries traveling through Pennsylvania and they all converted shortly after. The following year, the Winchesters moved to Kirtland, Ohio and they gathered with the Saints. Little is known about her experience there and her historical records are scarce. By 1842, the Winchesters had spent some time in Missouri and were now settled in Nauvoo. We know that census records have them listed as living in the third ward. In May of that year, Nancy would join the Female Relief Society where she served on committees with the charter to, quote, search out the poor and suffering to call on the rich for aid and thus as far as possible relieve the wants of all, end quote. Very little is known about her marriage to Joseph Smith, but LDS church historian Andrew Jensen records Nancy as a wife, marrying sometime before Joseph's death. This marriage is most likely a dynastic union and one can only speculate on the marriage since such little evidence is provided, Nancy would have been 14 or 15 years old at the time of the marriage. Regardless, the age of consent may have little or no correspondence to the average age of first marriage, and available research shows that in Joseph's state, marriages to 14-year-old girls were legal, but rare. We often hear that, you know, that was very common back in the day. They are legal just like they are now, but they were rare and sometimes looked down upon. The Nauvoo City Council passed an ordinance specifying the minimum age for marriages, which recited Illinois law verbatim, which said, quote, All male persons over the age of 17 years and females over the age of 14 years may contract and join in marriage, provided in all cases where either party is a minor, the consent of parents or guardians be first had, end quote. So it's not unlike now, um, there are similar marriage age laws. So, you know, even though this is a controversial one and we have records from Andrew Jensen, who was an LDS church historian, we have more evidence that she was married to Joseph Smith. When after Joseph Smith's death, Nancy and another six of Joseph's wife were married to Heber C. Kimball. So that's another indication that she was indeed a wife because she was one of the women that got married to Heber C. Kimball early on. Since the temple had not yet been completed when Nancy had married Joseph, she was resealed to him in 1846 in the near-complete but dedicated Nauvoo Temple, which is another sign that she would have been his wife. She was sealed to him in proxy. Her husband for time was Heber C. Kimball, and he stood proxy for Joseph Smith in the sealing. Heber C. Kimball married many more women around this time, and we can only speculate on the nature of Nancy and Heber's relationship. It's suggested that the marriage, too, was dynastic and that Nancy never lived as a, quote, real life to Heber, meaning she never slept with him. Nancy immigrated to Utah in 1849 and traveled with her mother in the Howard Egan Wagon Company, leaving April 18, 1849. They arrived in Salt Lake on August 7, 1849. The company consisted of 57 individuals and 22 wagons and began its journey from the outfitting post of Potawatomi County, Iowa. 
she settled with her parents and dropped off of the historical record for a few years. And she reemerges in 1854, several years later, when she receives a patriarchal blessing from John Smith. She was blessed to, quote, to heal the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead if necessary. So there's a spiritual gift for you. I wonder how many women are allowed to raise the dead now. In 1865, we know that Nancy was separated from Heber because of her recorded marriage on October 12th to Amos George Arnold, a marriage that was rumored to be arranged by Heber himself. This is not uncommon. A lot of Heber's wives were unhappy, and Heber sometimes gladly gave them to other men. Um, and when I say gave them to other men, I didn't use that lightly. Women were often, these marriages were often bartered bargained as if these women were property. According to the Arnold group sheet, quote, Nancy Mariah Winchester was sealed to the prophet on the 3rd of February, 1846 in the Nauvoo temple and married to Heber C. Kimball for life, but she never lived with Mr. Kimball as a wife. And he asked Amos George Arnold to marry her so she could become a mother and promised him that he would later have the opportunity of marrying a younger wife. Arnold family history gives a glimpse of Amos's life as well. Amos George Arnold, the son of Daniel Arnold and Little Willie, born on March 12, 1833. And the Amos family history also tells us a little bit about Amos. So let me just tell you about what what he was like, according to their family history tradition. Quote, Amos George Arnold, the son of Daniel Arnold and Liddy Willie, born March 12, 1833 in Red, Redfield, Jefferson County, New York. He was a fourth child of 13 children, nine boys and four girls. His father, being a farmer, most of his boyhood days were spent helping his father on the farm. His schooling was very limited on account of his father having such a large family, although he was always fond of studying and spent most of his leisure time reading. At the age of 18, he left home and went to New Orleans. While there, he accepted an offer from a circus manager to travel with the circus, and he remained with them for three years. In 1855, he joined a merchant's train and drove six yoke of oxen across the plains to Salt Lake City. Soon after arriving there, he decided to go to California. He walked the whole distance, 1,800 miles, with nothing to direct him except a map. While on his way, he spent a winter in Oregon making wingles. In the spring, he continued on his journey. While walking through the canyon one day, a mountain lion attacked him. He had nothing to de defend himself but a jackknife. He was near a canyon stream. He reached a branch on the opposite side and swung himself across. The animal was approaching near to him all the while, and he broke a limb from a tree and pointed it in the direction of the lion. This seemed to frighten the animal away, so he escaped in safety. He traveled the rest of the distance without meeting any serious opposition. While in California, he worked as a miner until 1858, and this year he went on to British Columbia. He remained there a few months and returned to California, and there he stayed until freighting to Salt Lake City. In 1865, he took a load of passengers to Oregon. After returning to Salt Lake City in 1866, he joined the Latter-day Saints Church. Shortly after joining, he was asked by one of the church authorities to marry Nancy Maria Winchester, the sealed wife of the Prophet Joseph Smith, so that she might become a mother. By doing so, he was promised a young, sweet wife he could call his own. In 1868, was born one son, George Stephen Arnold, leaving Mrs. Arnold's health very poorly. She lived until March 17, 1876. On June 7, 1876... He married Ruth Powell in the endowment house. To them were born 13 children, five boys and eight girls, Ada Arnold, Ruth A. Breezy, and Joseph, end quote. So I understand that that's the family history, and they're trying to make context and make him sound he's got this heroic life. He kind of fights up this mountain lion, nothing but a stick. Um, I want to break that down a little bit. It suggested that Nancy was only given to Amos to give her a child, 
And the union would prove successful because Nancy gave birth to George Stephen Arnold. And of course, her legacy is little compared to that of Amos and Ruth Powell. She suffers from poor health several years after giving birth, and she dies at the age of 47. I have some problems with this story. This woman is referred to in all the histories that we have of her of (laughs) being given to this man so she could become a mother, which begs the question why she can become, become a mother with Heber. Now, there are probably several answers to that. One of them being was Heber didn't have nearly the time and resources for all of his wife's. And he probably wasn't interested in her. Um, she was very, very young when he met her, and he was quite old. And he had a daughter her age. And so you can see why that would be a problem. Time, resources, energy, attraction, those might all be factors. So she's given to this other man to have a baby. And you can tell that he had to be coerced into it since he was promised a younger, sweet wife he could call his own. That's that's interesting that that he's given a promise as if women are a a prize or some sort of um, carrot to work for. So that's that's kind of a problem with the story. Anyway, this was a short history. Uh, I encourage you to read Tom, Todd Compton's book in Sacred Loneliness. You can find out more about Nancy Winchester there. And we hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Feminist Warren Housewives podcast. Thanks for listening.